Today's Mishnah is on the first and second mission from the 11th Perikim Sektuk And as we've learned previously, we saw a difference in custom regarding a, how a woman is supported from the state after her husband passes away. If you recall, the Anshe Yerushalayim and Anshe Galil, they stipulated as part of the Ketubah that she would be supported as long as she liked, but up until the point she could wish to collect her Ketubah. According to Anshe Yehuda, if you remember, that really she was supported up until the Yorishim decided it was time to give her her Ketubah. So mission begins as follows. Almana nizonit yotumim. That an Almana widow is support, who is supported by the Nechse Yotumim, again, depending on the Minhag here. Masia deha shelahem. Anything she produces, any income she generates, would be belong to the Yorishim. And that is because since she's living in the same structure as she was when she was married, meaning she's still being supported by the state just like she's supported by her husband, then that decree that was implemented during marriage, which is that since the husband's supporting her, Masia deh goes to him, would continue and endure during the time that she's being supported by the state. And therefore, Masia deh, any income generated would be, or anything she produces, would go to the Yorishim. However, however, would not be obligated to fund her burial. Now, what are we referring to here? Here we're referring to Yorshin, they're not her Yorshin, meaning, here we're referring to, for example, sons of another marriage. The basis of this is based on the takanot, the rights and responsibilities that always shoot one against the other. So the husband is responsible for her burial because of the right he has in inheriting from her if she passes away first. And consequently, those, those heirs in the estate that do not inherit from her will not be obligated to bury her. However, your Shea and your Shea her heirs and those that inherit Uktuba, they would be Chayvim Bekurata, they'll be obligated to fund her burial. What's interesting here is a double language, your Shea and your Shea What this means is only those that really inherit from her and Uktuba together. Because as we've seen previously, there are certain situations where those individuals are different. If you remember, for example, a Shemay Rabam, this refers to a woman whose husband's passed away without any children. And now she's waiting for the brother to perform Yubu Mukhalitza, and then she passes away. We saw the distribution of her estate, depending on what type of property was, it go to different individuals. So in that situation, since your share and your Sheikh Tubata are different people, they would not be obligated to bury her. However, in this situation, the responsibility will fall back to the Orshia Abal, meaning the heirs of her husband, that effectively inherit her Ktuba, to bury her. Another interesting situation that the Rambam raises is you can have another case like this, meaning, let's say her husband passed away first, and then she was wanted to claim the Ketubah, but she hasn't yet made a Shvua enabling her to collect the funds, and then she passes away. In that situation, if you remember, her Yorshim would not be able to claim the Ketubah. And that is because we've explained that any funds that you could only collect by way of a Shvua, you cannot pass down to your Yorshim. They would not be able to collect it because that Shvua has not yet been made. Consequently, once again, the Yorshim Habal the heirs of the estate would be obligated to bury her. Let's now learn Mishnah Bet. Mishnah says, Almana bein mina arusim bena nasuin, mocheret shloba beitin. So here we're dealing with an almana, a widow who was widowed during the time of betrothal. And therefore, she wouldn't be supported by the estate. However, she would still have the interest there in order to collect a ketubah. Or whether she was an almana from nasuin. In that situation, she needs funds not only for a ketubah, but if she hasn't collected it yet, also to support her for food and clothing and the like. In that situation, Mishnah says, She can simply sell some of the estate without having to go to Beitin. And that is because the Gabara says, in this situation, being a widow, we say that the husband wouldn't want to degrade his wife to have to front to court in order to either collect a tuba or to be supported. However, when she sells this property, she would have to do so in front of three individuals that are trustworthy individuals that understand the value of property. As this was explained, according to the first opinion, the Chachamim, she doesn't have to actually do so in a formal court, go to Beitin. Rabbi Shimon says no. 
explain. Meaning, if it's from marriage, yes, she can sell not from a beitin. Why? Because she wants to collect mazanot. However, from erusin, if she's widowed at that stage, then she would have to go to beitin. Why? Because she's, the only claim she's making is to collect the ktubah. And she isn't getting supported being widowed from erusin. And then, since this is not going to be an ongoing activity, and she's only going to come to Beitin or only to make the claim once to collect the Oktober, therefore she has to front and Beitin. What's interesting here is that what would Rabbi Shimon say regarding a woman who is Almana from Nesuin? We know quite clearly that she can sell land without having to go into Beitin in order to collect Mazanot. I mean, that's his opinion. However, what about Oktober? And indeed, Kati cites a Machok Rishonim in that regard, whether she can also sell land in order to collect Oktober without having to go to Beidin, or whether really, Kondrabishimon, it's purely only Mazanot she can do so. However, nonetheless, we've already explained that the Kwan whether Erosin, whether Neosuim, she can always sell without having to find a Beidin, be it for Mazanot or Oktober. Those Mishnah today.